the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. All right, thank you so much for joining us. You can hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It is Money Mondays. And if you missed Josh's visit with Bruce, you can listen to the podcast at aptuswealth.com. So, Josh, it is Halloween. That is the music our producer, Mike, is playing. (laughs) I guess we went there, huh? We went there. So what are your kids going as tonight? Uh, well, my two oldest are, you know, too cool for school now, so they're not doing it anymore. But they are walking with their younger brother, I believe, who is uh, a three-and-a-half-year-old dinosaur. Oh, cute. And they are going to uh, take part in the candy. They will, yeah. Do, do uh, mom and dad Whether they want in, to or not, they're going. Do mom and dad dip into the kids' treats, too? That's what Halloween's all about, isn't it? What's Where we tell our kids not to eat too much candy, and then when they go to bed, we eat all of the stuff <laughs> we told them not to eat. Exactly. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, peanut butter cups. Oh, me too. Mike's Mike's raising his fist, our producer. He's in too. That's three. All right. We will get into the show. Although retirement can be as sweet as Reese's peanut butter cups as your favorite candy or scary like your worst nightmare. What are some of the most frightening things that that people are worried about uh, during retirement? Yeah, the overwhelming theme I think there is probably uh, whether I can, but then when we dig into whether you can retire, I think the questions usually come down to an overwhelming fear of running out of money. And that running out of money can be from a myriad of reasons, whether they believe that their assets, their retirement assets are going to run out or social security is going to run out or medical bills are going to impede their ability to live the lifestyle that they wanted. Um, And all those things are very valid points. But I think they can all be overcome. And, and I've seen some crazy stats, by the way, Diane. I, I've seen a stat that behind speaking in front of people, which is the number one fear, uh, only second to death, which is crazy, closely behind that is running out of money uh, is, a, is a really high fear. I saw another stat that said 62% of Americans are more concerned about retirement now as a result of COVID than they were a year ago. But I think, you know, regardless of how many stats we talk about, because I'm convinced that about 65% of all stats are made up on the spot. Maybe it's 80, (laughs) I don't know. The stats all seem to be, yeah, the stats all seem to be going in the the same direction. And that is people are scared of retiring. And I think that the reason for that 
large in part is Social Security used to be viewed as a pretty ironclad system. Uh, 25, 30 years ago, the majority of folks had a pension. And now we have a lot of questions about, is Social Security going to be around? And one thing we know, regardless of what entity you look at, uh, it's either 2030, if you look at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, we're going to run out of money by 2031 in the, in the pension fund of Social Security, or uh, I've seen stats as long as 2036. But sometime in the 2030s, Social Security, unless we do an overhaul, is in fact going to run out of money. That coupled with the fact that less than 10% of Americans today who are retiring today or moving forward have a pension, the onus has kind of fallen back on the retiree. And that means that they have to manage their money, distribute it correctly, and hopefully not run out of money. And then we look at health care costs shooting through the roof. Uh, I think the takeaway of all these things, Diane, is proper planning is the only way to alleviate these concerns. And not just planning for in an ideal world, what if this all occurs, you know, kind of an average baseline mean, but let's stress test our plan. What if Social Security does, in fact, get reduced? What if the costs of my health care do, in fact, go up? What if the returns of the stock market that we've been very blessed with over the last 10 years don't repeat for the next 10 years? Um, we can just really start adding things to the puzzle to stress test the what ifs. And if we've addressed as many of those as we possibly can, and we still have a very, very, very high likelihood of success, even 100% likelihood of success, then hopefully you can start to remove those fears systematically. And that's the only way to take them away. But I assure you that the ways that a lot of people use, like crossing your fingers, putting your head in the sand, hoping for the best, um, putting it in you know higher power's hands, while those are all of value, I think you should have faith and all those things. It's not a plan, and it's not going to totally remove that fear. So we have to address them head on. We have to create a plan, a blueprint that's going to get us through uh, all of these issues. Most people have to rely on Social Security, do you feel? Well, I think if you look statistically, at least, most people rely on Social Security to a large percentage of their retirement income. And again, that's one of those statistics that I don't necessarily believe because nationally I've seen stats right around 40% of people's retirement income comes from Social Security. But the folks that I run across, uh, I would say it's, hard, it's a higher percentage of that than that. Um, I think the people that are really challenged, and as we head into you know, election time, this is a big topic of conversation, is how are we going to change Social Security to make sure that we preserve uh, those payments moving forward? And there's some debate over what we're going to do, uh, but I think at the end of the day, we have to do something. The Social Security is funded, uh, Diane, in two ways. One, by the people paying in, and two, there's a shortfall. In other words, the people that are paying in are not contributing enough to accommodate for the people collecting. So there's a surplus account, like an endowment or a trust account, or even its own. Social Security has its own 401k, if you want to call it that. And we know that that 401k or that trust account is going to run out of money sometime in the 2030s. And we need to figure out a way to address that, whether that's lowering payment amounts for younger individuals that have yet to retire, increasing the payroll tax to help fund it. There's a bunch of different things that we could do. And the argument seems to be an all or nothing argument. And I think it probably needs to be a bipartisan issue where we address it with some of each. But we have to do something. It's not going to go away. And 2030 is right around the corner. We're talking about 10 years from now that we could affect at least 
40% of people's incomes in retirement. People less than 40, though, would it be good advice or a good suggestion to just not count on it? I think not counting on it would be a very abysmal way to view it for a lot of Americans, particularly in the younger category. But at least they have time. Yeah, they have time. And I think you need to, you definitely need to save as aggressively as you possibly can and perhaps accommodate for the fact that Social Security is probably not going to be full retirement age of age 67 if you're 35 years old now. It's probably going to be a later date. It's probably not going to be as much as you thought it was going to be. It may not accommodate for inflation like like the, the way it has up to this point. But to say that you can't count on it at all, for a lot of people, that would put retirement almost out of reach. So we have to play somewhere in the middle, play cautiously about Social Security, but at the same time, don't completely and utterly jerk the, the rug out from everybody and say, good news, you'll never be able to retire because Social Security has gone, and unless you save 25% of your income, you're done. Um, I think we have to figure out ways to systematically increase our savings, protect ourselves against the fact that it may be reduced, but don't necessarily say it's going to be gone. I think it'll be political suicide if they eliminate it altogether, but it'll probably be changed. So let's anticipate those changes. One of the fears on our list uh, is the fear of feeling bored or lonely in retirement. How many of your existing clients have that problem? Uh, one of the biggest questions that I ask, or the, the number one question that I ask people once they've been working with me for a while and I say, you know, they know they can retire financially. We've already covered that. And they'll come in and say, well, it's time. I'm walking away. First question is, what are you going to do? And the reason I ask that is for a lot of people, myself included to a, to a, a large degree, you find a tremendous amount of purpose in your job. It gives you something to wake up for every day. It gives you something to do. And you need to be able to replace that in retirement where you'll get bored or even worse yet, you won't have a purpose. And in COVID in particular, in the environment that we're in right now, it can become increasingly difficult, right? It's hard to go out and uh, go hang out with friends out at a restaurant. It's hard to volunteer the way we used to before. There's a lot of issues there. So you have to find a purpose. Um, And I've seen stats, you know, 25% of people, that's their biggest fear. But it's certainly not as great a fear as running out of money. But I think it should be in the equation. Another thing people are concerned about is is having too much debt. Do a lot of people you find carry debt into retirement? Uh, Particularly houses. Yeah, I think there is, uh, over the last 20 years, there's been a lot of debate over whether or not you should pay your house off or get out the largest mortgage you possibly can because interest rates are so low. And while I could mathematically easily calculate if you're working, playing that arbitrage or that spread between I can earn X, but my mortgage only costs me 3% and I can earn you know, 7% in the stock market, I should, I should invest the money in the stock market rather than paying off my house. That certainly makes a lot of sense when you're young. As you get older into retirement, the elimination of debt is a huge asset for tax preparation, meaning not actually preparing your taxes, but trying to minimize the amount that you pay in taxes in retirement. Because for most people, when you're retired, your mortgage is not substantial enough, at least in Columbus, Ohio here, your mortgage is not substantial enough for the itemized deduction to be of huge value. And the uh, way that you can invest isn't necessarily aggressive enough to offset that or play that arbitrage game like you could when you were younger. So if you can, but we have to be very careful in doing this because of taxes, if you can, going into retirement without debt is a huge blessing. And it can be a burden to have a bunch of debt, but we have to do it tactfully. So I think there's some concern there, but people are mostly concerned not about having it. They're concerned about, I'd like to get rid of it. What's the best way to do it? And that's all part of the blueprint. 
And we're going to go through the blueprint. One more fear I want to talk about is medical bills. I don't think a lot of people realize how expensive it can be in retirement. That's the really big one. And it, it's a moving target. And it's one that's always on the docket uh, in Congress. And it's, you know, it's a very political uh, thing. What were we going to do with health care? Now, the good news is, as of today, um, shy of long-term care costs or nursing home costs, the cost of essentially insurance, which is through Medicare when you're retired, is relatively reasonable compared to the cost of insurance while you're employed. So in other words, I remember when I was a kid, people in my neighborhood would talk about, well, you know, when I retire, I get to go to Medicare, and you know how bad that is. Well, <laughs> sad or good, bad, or indifferent, medical coverage in general, medical insurance in general, has gotten so bad that Medicare looks really, really good. And if you look at the average person in Ohio, and this is very much a broad brushstroke average, you say, I'm going to get a Cadillac Medicare supplement. I'm going to get Medicare Part A, Part B, plus Part D, which is your prescription drug. You're probably about 300 bucks a person. But for that $300 a person, your deductible is just a few hundred dollars. And that covers absolutely everything. You know, my mother had two knee replacements, and it cost her just that few hundred dollar deductible. So the insurance is pretty good. But it is a wild card, Diane. We don't know what will Medicare look like for you four or five years from now. What is the cost of long-term care? Because we know we have about a 50-50 shot at going into a facility at some point. What is that cost going to be, and what, how are they going to handle it? You know, right now, if you don't have enough money, Medicaid picks up the tab. Your spouse is allowed to keep a certain amount of money. But all of these things are very much in flux. So we have to try and come up with a plan that addresses all of the what could happens and make sure that we're as best positioned as we possibly can be to accommodate for all of those things. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process and the plan. The number to call is 614-364-7300. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. We'll be back with more at the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptis Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptis Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptis Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, before the break, I told the listeners that we are going to walk them through the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. We're talking about everyone needs a plan for retirement. When they call your office, what is the process that you walk them through? Well, one, it's important to note that it's a rules-based, very methodical process to make sure that we uncover everything that we need to and we don't leave any stone unturned. Uh, it's a four-step process. Step number one we call the discovery meeting. And in that meeting, we just want to find out everything you're trying to accomplish, all the fears that you have, and what resources you have and are continuing to accrue to, uh, to achieve what you hope to be your desired results. In other words, you know, what's in your 401k? Do you have any life insurance? 
What amount are you saving per month? How much do you want to accommodate for Social Security, et cetera? Meeting number two, we call the analysis meeting. And what we're really going to do is just analyze what you're currently doing and is your arrow going to hit your retirement target? In other words, if you continue doing what you're doing, will you end up where you want to be? In that meeting, though, it's important that we're going to, part of the education process is we're going to teach you about risk. We're going to teach you about the financial planning process, taxes, et cetera, and we'll point out any potential landmines on your road. And then in meeting three, we're going to address those potential landmines, if you have any. We call that the blueprint meeting. It's important that we call it a blueprint, not a plan, because a blueprint is actually an actionable plan, not just a planning session where we come up with great ideas, but something that we can actually execute on. We'll address all of the issues that we uh, brought to your attention in meeting two. And then in meeting four, we'll decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Do we want to go forward? And should you become a client? And that's uh, where the rubber kind of meets the road and we fill out paperwork. And the number to call at Josh's office to schedule your Aptus Retirement Blueprint process meeting is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And want to let you know that you can hear Josh every Monday afternoon at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It's Money Mondays. And if you miss his visit with Bruce, you can listen to the podcast at aptuswealth.com. Josh, what are some times or events in our lives where it makes sense to push pause on saving money for retirement? Well, there's many times, uh, but I think you should be cautious in when you push them. In other words, I think that oftentimes people use, and I'm not pointing any fingers here, but people oftentimes use excuses to push the pause button on retirement savings for things that aren't really necessities but wants. But certainly, Diane, in times of a health crisis, for example, you want to focus all your attention and all of your resources towards solving that health crisis. Or let's say you decide you want to start a business. Well, starting a business is in fact investing in yourself and investing in your future. So to push the pause button on a 401k and investment to invest in your own business is not a foolish decision at all. Um, You know, there's a bunch of different other things that you can kind of get involved in that may be more useful than traditional retirement savings. But the one thing is that I would caution you on and these would all be, I'm, I'm going to probably tick off the, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey's of the world, et cetera, who believe in no debt, no debt, always address debt first. Uh, I agree with that methodology. We want to get rid of credit card debt as quick as possible because clearly the interest rates are unbelievably high on most credit card debt. So let's knock those out. Um, we want to pay off student loans for potentially the same reason, uh, you know, et cetera. Of course, we want to do those things. What about saving for a home? What about an emergency fund? All of these things make a lot of sense. Why save in a volatile market uh, where you can't touch the money for a long period of time, potentially, when we have a short-term need? My contention is this, though, Diane. I think you should try and do a little bit of both. And here's why. People are people. And we don't always do the most rational things. And I know plenty of people who pay off credit card debt and don't Uh, that have paid off credit card debt have not saved for retirement so that they could aggressively pay off credit card debt just for the next emergency to occur. And I put emergency in quotes, i.e. I want to buy something cool. Uh, You know, I haven't taken a vacation in a really long time. Insert whatever it is. And we're all like that to some degree. I'm not not saying this is a, a terrible thing. But it seems like certain people find themselves in a revolving uh, situation of acquire debt, pay off debt, acquire debt, pay off debt, acquire debt, pay off debt. 
um, save for a home, buy the home, sell the home, move to another home, save for it. And it's just constantly this revolving process. So I think it's important that while if you have credit card debt and that credit card debt is a really high interest rate, I definitely would recommend that you pay that off as quick as possible. And I would say allocate the majority of your resources, your extra resources to do so. But at the same time, whether you have credit card debt or not, you should definitely be doing your 401k up to the match. That's free money. And I know that the rate of return on, or the, uh, the cost of your credit card debt is not 100% interest. So definitely at least even during that time of paying off credit card debt, fund your 401k up to the match. In times of saving for a home, fund your 401k up to the match. In times of building an emergency fund, fund your 401k up to the match. Um, and, and again, there are certain things that just simply do not allow for that. If you lost your job, you shouldn't fund, fund your retirement when you don't even have a job and there's no match in your 401k, et cetera. Uh, health crisis, like I said, you know, starting a business. I get there are always anomalies. But in general, always try and fund your 401k up to the match. Try and knock out these other things aggressively, but don't abandon retirement savings altogether or you'll find yourself way behind the, the time curve. And it's hard to catch back up. We've talked about in, in many previous shows about the, the time value of money and the value of your biggest asset is time. You're giving up that asset when you abandon it to pay off another short-term issue. To learn strategies to manage risk and to schedule your own personalized planning session, give Josh's office a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's talk about how the pandemic has changed, not just how people look at retirement financially, but how they look at their retirement lifestyle. I'm sure we just talked about the need to save. I'm sure that's really hammered home the importance of saving and having an emergency fund. Well, I think for people that aren't retired, having an emergency fund has definitely been a, a huge piece of the puzzle. But for those that are already retired, I've seen that change dramatically too. You know, the number one thing that people talked about, I would say, when they came in after we found out that they could retire and we got past that and I said, what are your, your hopes and dreams if you could build the ideal retirement? It was always the same answer, travel. Well, that's a little bit more difficult these days. I mean, the, the cruise industry certainly isn't uh, bustling, and uh, traveling is just taken on a new shape. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's certainly changed a lot. And for people who are in that older age category uh, when looking at COVID, I would say they're, they're pretty hesitant in general to travel. So travel has changed dramatically. And as a result of that, they've, just, they've become more dependent upon doing things uh, either at home so technology usage is through the roof uh, because, you know, we're, if people are stuck at home, what are they going to do? They're going to watch TV, look at, look at things on the computer, et cetera. Volunteering is another big one. Well, that's become very challenging because of, you know, groups of people that all volunteer together. So finding innovative ways to volunteer in a different way, you know, maybe from home, putting together, uh, you know, brochures for a certain cause or whatever that might be, figuring out a way to volunteer from home has become a very popular thing as opposed to going to volunteer out in the public. You know, they're not going out to eat as much with their friends. So I think the overwhelming thing, Diane, is people are really starting to go outside. You know, if you've been to a park in Columbus, it's, it's amazing how busy they were. That's going to change as we get into the cold here. But parks were crazy. were just crazy busy. People hiking, people getting outdoors, walking, um, upgrading their homes. And we've seen that in Lowe's and Home Depot stock shooting through the roof. If you're trapped at home, you might as well make it the best you possibly can. So I've seen people in retirement focusing on 
what can I do at home? What hobbies can I start practicing while I'm at home to improve my situation and find purpose? You know, whether it's learning an instrument or whatever it might be. And also figuring out a way to volunteer from home and then when possible, getting outdoors and doing a lot more things outdoors. And we're seeing that in the amount of, you know, land sales in Columbus and people trying to get more space so that they have more land. And uh, it's a weird time, to say the least, uh, Diane, but it's changing the landscape for retirees. And then getting back to your pre-retiree kind of comment, it's certainly p- making people more cautious. We're coming off the tail end of the longest bull run in the history of the stock market. Volatility went through the roof and people started losing jobs. So getting back to the old foundational aspects of retirement planning, i.e. create an emergency fund, aggressively save for that emergency fund, eliminate debt, prepare for the future, limit volatility, uh, are coming back into vogue, which I, I hate the way we got here, but I'm glad that we're getting back to the foundational principles of, of uh, retirement planning. Switching gears a little bit, many retirement blueprints are more than just the money that people need for income while living, but also about what's passed on for the next generation late in life or at the end. So what are the most important things to clean up in regards to estate planning? Well, the first thing is try and make it as easy as possible. I don't know if you've ever been through this, Diane, but uh, dealing with the estate of somebody is a very cumbersome, daunting, sometimes overwhelming task. So your goal should be try and make it as easy as possible for the next uh, whoever's inheriting your funds. And the easiest way to do that is, quite frankly, keep the government out of it as much as you possibly can. So all of your accounts you want to have set up with some sort of beneficiary. If they're a 401k, IRA, some sort of retirement account, it's literally as simple as assigning a beneficiary to bypass probate. If it's a non-qualified account, savings account, brokerage account, CD, insert, whatever that, that product is that you have in, uh, your money saved in, you should assign those as a transfer or payable on death. And you can do that very simply by, let's say it's your savings account at a bank. Go to the bank and just say, I want to set up my account so that it's payable on death. That ta- bypasses probate and your beneficiaries will simply just have to go to the bank, provide a death certificate, and it is their money. From a will perspective, you should have all your final docs arranged, have a will, have a durable power of attorney, you know, medical directive, etc. But the only thing that your will should really bypass, should really pass on to your heirs is your stuff, not your house, not your assets, because again, you can set up your house payable on death with the uh, county recorder's office as well. Uh, so have as much set up as possible around your will, bypassing the government. And then your will should just line item out, you know, this is where my, I'm sure my kids are going to be really excited to inherit all my clothes, Diane, because they're really hip and cool. Pretty stylish. (laughs) Right. So they're not going to care about that stuff anyway. But your will should line item out things like, uh, you know, I have this really nice watch or I have this collection of X. I want that to go to this person or that person. That's really all your will should should line item out. Then, of course, and I know we're limited on time, so I'll make it quick. If you have a complicated scenario or you have very specific things that you want to achieve, then you might want to get involved with trusts, et cetera. But for the most part, cleaning it up is as simple as making your wishes known and keeping the government out of it. If you have questions, if you'd like to see how the Aptus Blueprint process can work for you, the number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. 
1-800-227-0000. And you can hear Josh every Monday afternoon at 6 with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It's Money Mondays. And if you miss Josh's visit with Bruce, you can listen to the podcast at aptuswealth.com. We'll have more after the break. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Let's talk about maxing out your 401k. Um, Is maxing it out enough to enjoy a similar quality of life in retirement? Well, fortunately for most, yes. The answer is yes, but not for all. And the reason for that is it depends on when you start. Remember, time is the most important asset that you have. So if you have zero retirement savings and you max out your 401k for the last five years of your retire- of your working years, uh, you can see that you didn't have quite as much time for that asset to build up. That might still be enough. I'm not saying that it's not, but clearly it depends upon how long you've been doing it. Um, number two would be, how do you have it invested? So in other words, if you started investing and you just put it in a money market account and you've received essentially zero rates of return your entire career, it may or may not be enough. And then the very obvious one, Diane, is how much do you need to retire on? You know, for most people, uh, and this has been kind of the adage from the beginning of, of time, if you pay yourself first from the day you get your first job, and you save 15% of whatever you make, you should be able to retire just fine. That's kind of been the old, there's been a lot of books written on this, Diane. You know, The the Richest Man in Babylon is a very popular book. It's the first finance book I ever received. Um, There's a lot of them, though, and they all kind of point to that same 15% number. And that's a pretty accurate number. So if you save 15% of every dollar you make, you should be fine when you retire. But it depends on when you start, and it depends on what retirement looks like for you. In other words... If, um, you know, you make $400,000 a year and you're only living on $50,000 a year and you're saving the max into your 401k, you're probably fine. But if you're making $50,000 a year, one, saving the maximum amount into a 401k probably isn't possible because it's a pretty significant amount. Once you're over the age of, you know, 55, you can save uh, about 26000 bucks a year into your 401k. So you'd be saving half of your income. But it probably would be enough if you saved 15 or 20% uh, at that level because Social Security will accommodate for some of the difference in, of it. So I guess this is much like uh, I'm kind of talking around uh, in circles, it seems like, a little bit, Diane, but I think it's an overwhelming theme of financial planning. And as, you know, just who we are, we always want to know what is the golden rule, right? What, how much do I need to save? I don't want to go actually do any planning, I don't want to go, you know, dive deep in the weeds and figure out all this math and stuff. Just tell me what I need to do. Well, if you save about 15% from the day you get out of high school or college for the rest of your life and invest appropriately, you'll probably be fine. There's the answer. But the real answer is it depends for everyone and everyone's scenarios on how they're invested, how long they're going to stay invested, what retirement looks like for them. And we have to do, I know I sound like a broken record, but a plan. 
And that plan is the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. If you would like to give Josh's office a call and go through that process to learn strategies to manage risk and to schedule your own personalized planning session, the number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh, what are some of the ways you've helped clients eliminate stress in retirement? Well, here we go with that broken record again. Plan. It's the only way that you can uh, that you can really overcome stress. But, you, you know, there, there's steps involved in that planning process, Diane. And, and, and that is, you know, the stresses in retirement and stress in general is usually stressors of the unknown. So we're very scared in general uh, of things that we don't understand or we don't know, or it's the scary thing behind the curtain that we have yet to discover, right? So we have to go through a process to figure out what that scary thing really is and should we be scared of it? Um, how much are you going to plan when you retire? How much are you going to plan to spend when you retire, for example? Um, what is your retirement going to cost? So let's go through a budgetary process and figure out how much is your retirement actually going to cost. And then um, do we have enough resources? Are we saving enough to achieve a dollar amount big enough to generate that level of income when you retire? Are you taking too much risk in your portfolio? Another, we call this in, in my world, stress testing your portfolio. So in the accumulation phase, what could happen to throw you drastically off course? Or how would you feel if volatility was at a certain level? How much bounce can you handle? In other words, if you were going to retire in May, in March and April happened like it did with COVID, what would your portfolio have done? And would that have thwarted your ability to retire? We need to analyze that risk and analyze your portfolio, analyze your investments to see where you're at and educate you on what your choices are. And once you know that, then you can make some logical decisions and be comfortable with what the future looks like. And then most importantly, and while most of the research in my industry over the last 10 years has been focused on this, it seems like the industry by and large seems to miss it. We talk a lot about, particularly in the news, the media, Squawk Box, CNBC, all this stuff. We talk about rates of return and the best stock to buy and blah, blah, blah. What we're really talking about there is the accumulation phase. We gotta make a plan on how we're gonna distribute assets in an efficient manner, both from a rate of return and volatility perspective, but also how are we most efficiently getting our funds from a tax perspective. And if we can accomplish those things, how much do you need? How much do you need to be saving? How do we, uh, on a risk-adjusted basis, make sure that we're on target? And then what's the most efficient way to withdraw our funds? If we can solve all of those questions in a stress-tested environment to make sure that you know, the boogeyman isn't going to throw us off course, then that eliminates stress. But again, crossing, you know, crossing your fingers, putting your head in the sand, just hoping for the best, while it might work out okay, it certainly won't remove the stress. And I, th I think those people with that attitude of it's going to work out, they're not the ones that are really stressed. I find that the people who are actually planning are focusing more and are a little bit more stressed about it. Yeah, well, I think the people who are trying to plan, particularly on their own, I run into this a lot. And, and this isn't to say that there aren't plenty of very intelligent people out there that are doing a great job doing retirement planning on their own. There certainly are. But there are also a lot of people out there that are trying to figure it out on their own, and they feel like they have a couple of the puzzle pieces figured out, 
but darn it if they can put the whole puzzle together. And that can be very, very stressful. The fear of what did I miss? The fear of, um, you know, I just don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Um, that can be in incredibly fearful. So having uh, somebody who does it for a living, somebody who sees it all the time, somebody who's been doing it for decades, review what they've already thought and make sure that they're on course and adjust where necessary can remove a tremendous amount of fear. And why are people not using a financial advisor? They feel that they can save money. They feel that they're smarter than an advisor. Do you feel like they don't respect the business? Yeah, I think it's all of those things, Diane. But I think, you know, one, yes. Does it cost money to work with an advisor? Yes. And you better make sure that you're working with an advisor where that cost is justified based upon results and value. Um, but two, uh, I find a lot of times that uh, people have worked with brokers in the past, maybe not fiduciaries, maybe not investment advisors, but brokers or insurance salesmen or insert salesperson title here, and they've had a bad experience. They feel like they've been sold a bag of, uh, uh, you know, a, a bag of goods. They feel like people said all the right things but didn't actually follow through, and it's left a bad taste in their mouth. Um, and unfortunately, um, the people who are in this profession uh, doing it as a profession and not as a sales job that are doing a great service for their clients, uh, like my office, myself, are left with that legacy from the folks before us, unfortunately, comparing and contrasting what they were working with before and what we do now. And it takes a little bit of time to, to make people recognize that we're not selling products we're providing solutions, and products are very much secondary to that. Everything we talk about on the show, all the different elements from healthcare costs to life insurance to your savings to knowing when to withdraw to maxing out your 401k, when to take your social security, there's absolutely no way I would be able to keep track of all these things, and especially taxes. And it's a, it's a moving target. You know, as we head into this. Uh, well, I don't know if we want to call it an election, a dumpster fire of an election up to this point. I was glad to see that the debate, the second go around was a little bit better than the first. But, you know, depending upon what happens in Washington, it could change a lot. Social Security could look different. Taxes will certainly look different. You know, even, you know, in Joe Biden's tax plan, it addresses contributions to 401ks and their deductibility will change. So it's a constantly moving target. And unless you're dedicating your entire working life essentially to it, it'd be very difficult to take advantage of all of the scenarios in real time. So you're right, it's a, it's a cumbersome process, but at the same time, uh, I sure am glad that there's engineering stamps on uh, blueprints before I go build something, because while I understand general construction, I'd like to make sure that my house isn't gonna fall down. Well, similarly, we create blueprints in the retirement planning process to make sure that while you may understand finance and may be pretty astute to it, let's make sure that we didn't miss anything and your financial house doesn't fall down. I love the fact that your office has tax professionals that you work with and experts so people can just come to come to you and everything is taken care of in one place. It all has to be coordinated. I'm not an attorney and many times an attorney is necessary. I'm not a CPA and many times a CPA is necessary. But what's most important is that all of those sources speak together with one another and create a plan. I can't tell you, Diane, how many times I've spoken with clients and they said, well, well, the scenario that I was in before with my broker and my accountant, I would go to my accountant and ask, what's the most tax efficient way to invest so I can save on taxes? And my accountant said, I don't do investments. Go talk to your broker. 
So they went to their broker and said, what's the most tax effective way that I can invest? And the broker said, I don't do taxes. Go talk to your, <laughs> to your CPA. And they're left kind of holding the bag, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? I just got, I guess it's up to me to try and decipher both sides and come up with a plan on my own. Same thing applies with estate planning, et cetera. So it's important that you get all of these players on the field together with the same quarterback, kind of orchestrating all of this and getting everybody on the same page. So we do that all the time. It's critical. It's important to have great relationships, and we have all of them. And the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process that you take clients through is a four-step process. First meeting is discovery, uh, all about getting to know each other. Josh, you learn about the client, their goals, all their ideas. Meeting number two is the analysis. The second meeting is about educating the listeners to where they sit financially and whether they're currently on track to reach their retirement goals. Uh, Meeting number three is the blueprint where you show how to make sure the financial arrow hits the bullseye for your clients. And then meeting four is implementation. That's when you put the plan into place. And the number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You can hear Josh every Monday afternoon at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It's Money Mondays. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back after the break. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptis Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptis Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptis Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, how has the pandemic changed how people look at at relocation in retirement? A list came out of the best places to retire in a pandemic. Columbus did not make the top 10. Well, uh, I think that there was another Ohio City that made uh, the top 15. I want to say Cincinnati maybe was uh, number 11 or 12. And Columbus made the top 100 or 85, right? It's better yeah, they, they are at 84. <laughs> they are 84? at 84 okay. on the list. Well, I, I think, you know, part of that we can say the pandemic was the reason for all of this. And and certainly when you look at places like California, New York, the pandemic has rocked New York city, for example, to the core. And there's a mass exodus leaving out of uh, many cities in California and New York. So there's, there's no question that the pandemics had a dramatic effect. That said, a lot of the top 10 on that list, and I, I don't have them in order, but many of them were the same cities that they've been for a really long time. For example, um, cities in Florida, very popular retirement spot. Now, is that because of the pandemic? Maybe, but it's always been a really popular spot. And the reason for that is because, you know, all the, when you look at this, um, it comes down to affordability, it comes down to activities, quality of life, taxation, you know, healthcare, et cetera. Well, what does Florida have going for it? It has no state income tax, incredibly low property tax, 
incredibly low school taxes, obviously great weather. Um, as you get older, warmer weather is, as I sit here with, you know, uh, the, the onset of a little bit of arthritis as I get older, I can certainly, and we're hindering, heading into cold weather right now. Florida sounds pretty awesome. Um, so warm weather is great. Things to do. I mean, there's more golf courses in Florida, certainly, than there are in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so that, that really doesn't shock me that much. But I think where it's really changed a lot of things is in general, people are looking for places where they can do a lot of things outside without being in large groups of people. So on that list, the ones that kind of shocked me a little bit, although I've been to a lot of these people, a lot of these places, but like, you know, Wyoming, Casper, Wyoming was high on the list. I would assume that's because population density, again, taxation is pretty good in Wyoming. Cost of living is very good. But I think you're going to find a trend continuing, unless we can get this pandemic under control, a trend continuing to places that have less population density. And, you know, Columbus, there are definitely parts of uh, suburban Columbus that fit that bill. So hopefully we'll see us climbing up the list a little bit, Diane. But um, I think you're going to see a, a continued push towards Leslie, less densely populated areas with good taxation. Do a lot of your clients do move in retirement or do a lot stay in Columbus? Well, I think I'll, I'll tell you that the conversation that I have all the time, and that is where are the grandkids? Um, and that, that is a huge contributor to where parents stay. Um, so if, if kids and grandkids are scattered all over the country, then movement is pretty unrestricted, right? Because we have to fly or travel to get to them anyway. If the entire family is kind of hubbed here, people tend to stay here uh, for grandkids, family events, et cetera. But I would say the two most popular places for people in Columbus to travel, vacation, have a second home, spend a month in the winter at is Arizona, which I think Scottsdale was really high on that list. Number um, six. Number six. Number six. Yeah. So Scottsdale, again, let's let's go over the, the reasons why. Great weather, lots of golf courses. You know, I mean, it's the same list as Florida, essentially, but one's west and one's southeast. So I don't think that's going to change, Diane. I think people are going to continue to to flock to warm weather. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is beautiful in the fall. It's beautiful in the summer. It's beautiful in the spring. And it's a long, dark winter. (laughs) And we're entering into that. I, I noticed when I woke up this morning... The rains over the weekend and last week have effectively taken 90% of the leaves off the trees. So while it was beautiful and colorful, it's quickly leaving us. And the winter will be here very quickly. So I don't think that's going to change. I don't know that the permanent move will occur, but people will continue to travel, have second homes, spend a month here, a month there in those locations. I know a lot of Americans are looking at international destinations with the low cost of living in places like Costa Rica and Ecuador. Do you have a lot of clients that are, are looking at places where it has good health care but low cost of living where their money can go a lot further? There's always talk of it, Diane. Um, you know, and I've a perfect example is even not going to Costa Rica or any of the international destinations. You know, from a taxation perspective, Puerto Rico is an unbelievable location for taxes. You know, I think it's a 4% flat tax in Puerto Rico, no no state tax, no, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tax haven to say the least. But people very rarely pull the trigger. So while I read a lot of articles about it, while I, I hear people talk about it a lot, I very, very rarely see it actually occur. So to answer your question, no, I don't see that a lot, albeit I think is a, is a viable option. I, I don't see it actually being executed. I do 
notice that people will, you know, let's say a couple decides to come to Arizona, then a lot of their friends will go there and they'll kind of live by each other, take after each other. And these active adult communities are incredibly popular because people can support each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very popular. You know, I, I have several clients who have done just that in areas of, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida it seems to be very, very common where you know, when we retire, we're all moving to Myrtle Beach so we can play golf year-round and do this, do that. That seems to be pretty common, um, but moving, you know, internationally does not. I, I can't think of one client who has actually permanently moved to another country. To learn strategies to manage risk and to schedule your own personalized planning session, give Josh's office a call at 614-364-7300. That number again is 614-364-7300. And you can hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It's Money Mondays. And if you miss his visit with Bruce, you can always listen to the podcast at aptuswealth.com. Josh, IRAs and 401ks are the most common tools for retirement savings. What are some other paths people can travel on the road to retirement? Well, I think the biggest lack of attention is paid to the distribution phase. All of the attention in the media, all of the attention in the uh, marketing of financial products, whether that's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, annuities, etc. Most of the attention up to this point has been paid on the accumulation phase. And we can argue over, you know, some people will say, you know, there's three phases of of, uh, income distribution and and wealth accumulation, etc. There's four phases, there's 10 phases, whatever that doesn't matter. There are two phases. There's the phase in your life when you are growing your money, and there's a phase in your life when you are distributing that money. And all of the attention has been paid on the growing of the money. 401ks, IRAs are all about uh, expense ratios, rates of return, diversification, etc. But they have spent very, very little amounts of time on, okay, I have now acquired this pot of money. How do I effectively distribute it back out to myself, uh, manage risk efficiently, etc.? And there are very little, there are great vehicles out there to do it, Diane, but very few of them, if any, are available inside of your 401k plan. So I think it's important that we focus energy, certainly, on the accumulation phase, but we need to take a more proactive approach as an industry and as individuals once we reach that 55, 60 year uh, time frame to start looking at how do I need to diversify not just amongst stocks and bonds. But how do I diversify my income distribution strategy? And should that include things like annuities or, you know, there's a bunch of different instruments that we can utilize. So typically the benefit to this is almost all 401ks, when you reach the age of 59 and a half, will allow for an in-service distribution. And what that means is you continue to contribute to your 401k, you continue to get your match, you continue to, to, to have the low cost of the funds, hopefully that are available in there if you have a great 401k. But you can move a portion of your 401k out via a rollover to an IRA, so it's a non-taxable event, and invest that in any vehicle you choose. So you can start to, even though you're working, take a proactive approach to the distribution phase of your retirement and lock in some of the gains that you have worked so hard to achieve during the accumulation phase. So the benefit, I guess, Diane, is that over the last 10 or 20 years, most of the research in our industry has been focused on that distribution phase. You'll hear oftentimes, you know, the 4% rule and how much can I take out when I retire and all these different rules and et cetera are being challenged a lot. And we're getting a lot of research out from that, the New York uh, Retirement Institute, 
uh, New York Life Retirement Institute, uh, the American College is spending a tremendous amount of time on income distribution versus accumulation. So we've learned a lot, but it's not necessarily being effectively disseminated to clients. So my practice is solely focused on the nearing and retiring individual. So we spend a tremendous amount of time on efficient distribution strategies and how to achieve that. So again, 401ks and IRAs are great, great tools, great plans, but they're not the end all be all. And we have to diversify amongst a lot of different elements. How do you feel about self-directed IRAs? We just have a couple of minutes here, but people buy purchasing properties and their, their rental income going to their adding to their retirement. Yeah, well, self-directed IRAs are one of the ways that you can get money out of your 401k. You roll it over to a self-directed IRA, and then that opens up the entire universe of investments to you. And you brought up real estate. Um, I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. Um, real estate is definitely a, a, an option inside of your four, inside of your self-directed IRAs. Annuities are an option inside of self-directed IRAs. Investing in things like gold are an option inside of your self-directed IRAs. The takeaway here is that your 401k has a finite amount of options. And those options effectively are almost always growth mutual funds and bonds and maybe some lifestyle fund choices, you know, where they really know you so well that they invest your money based upon the year that, that you tell them they're going to retire. You know, well, I'm planning on retiring, retiring in 2030, so I guess the sum total of me is the 2030 fund, which clearly can't apply to everybody that's going to retire in 2030. But when you go down the self-directed path, you could go real estate. You can go uh, guaranteed in annuities. You could, you could do a CD IRA. You can do whatever applies to you, but it opens up the universe of possibilities, and you're not pigeonholed into this category of few selections. To learn strategies to manage risk and to schedule your own personalized planning session, give Josh's office a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And Josh, we just have 30 seconds here. Tell us more about you joining Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer every Monday. You know, full disclosure, Diane, Bruce Hooley, I guess, is a, is a big name in Columbus. Um, I'm not a sports guy. Uh, I didn't know who Bruce Hooley was, quite frankly, but it's amazing the amount of people that uh, have said, uh, you know, I listen to Bruce all the time. He's got a show or podcast with Chris Spielman, which is a huge name here in Columbus with the Spielman Foundation and his wife in breast cancer. And uh, So very excited to be on that show. I was asked to be on that show, and Bruce uh, wants to take a proactive approach with his listeners on all topics, uh, one of them being finances and trying to get some semblance of what's going on in the market today. Uh, last week we talked a lot about politics and what do I think the changes will be moving forward as a result of one versus the other getting elected. So it's, uh, it's a great platform, great show. Bruce is a great guy. Uh, I'm having fun with it. To learn strategies to manage risk and to schedule your own personalized planning session, give Josh's office a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And again, hear Josh every Monday at 6 with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer for Money Mondays. And if you miss it, you can listen to the podcast at aptuswealth.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy Halloween, everyone. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company.